Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Roger Powell, former forward for Illinois, on that national title runner-up team. He subscribes, so you should as well. Actually, Taylor, we're going to be seeing Roger Powell on the television here in the next couple of weeks. You know where he coaches right now as an assistant coach? Wow. You you got me on this one. Where? He's a Gonzaga Bulldog. Ah. So I temporarily showed love there to Roger Powell, but in a couple of weeks, it's fuck Roger Powell. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But he subscribes to Usher as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is in Shark at the underscore Shark underscore BB and also Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. We got the shark back. Nice, nice of you to join us after taking off last week. After, after uh, delaying this recording a little bit with your with your pump in and and your schwitz. Was this load management? Oh, sir, that's good. Very topical. Very, uh, 
nice, nice little zing there. I mean, yeah, last week, when, when did you guys record this on Wednesday? Yeah. Last week? I was at the Celtics game. Sue me. All right. I'm at the Celtics game. It's the biggest drinking night of the year. You two schmucks are in here recording a podcast. All right. I'm sorry. I wasn't there. As for tonight, yeah, I had to get had to get a quick lift in, had to get a schwitz, had to wash out the weekend. I'm trying to get myself back to neutral, get myself ready to rock and roll. So, um, you know, I also – this goes without saying. You two hacks, you're in these different time zones where it's like – and you live in these cities. Sue, I'm pretty sure you work out of your living room. Taylor, I don't even know what the hell you do, but <laughs> you, don't, you don't live in the nation's capital. You don't live in this hub, this metropolis where there's a oh my God. bevy of traffic at all which hours. And not to mention, here's another thing. When I was driving home today, you ever seen the movie uh, Bruce Almighty? Of course. Are when you going to reference the what, scene what, where he like splits traffic? Yeah, he splits traffic. He catches every green. I literally caught every red. It was like the re- Bruce was working from the opposite end of where I was going. Bruce was going in the other direction that I was. I was the I was the victim of Bruce Almighty. So I'm sorry, guys, that I'm here at 6:15 Eastern time, but I'm working my ass over here. Well, Shark, you, is, Shark was, is making us seem like we live in like the backwoods. If we don't live in other like major metropolitan areas. If you don't live on the East Coast, you live in the backwoods. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this: Are you not a fan of public transportation? Why are you driving in DC? I don't. I don't. I, I work far away. All right, I work in the field. Don't ask me where I work. All right, that's fine. I'm I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, I, I'm living in a studio here, so it's not like I can run away to a room and record this. I got a fiance who's coming home from work and just wants to watch uh, Love Actually. It's the Christmas season, and I'm over here saying, "All right, honey, you're gonna have to wait a couple couple hours or two." While I record this, love actually does exist. <laughs> I, nailed, I nailed that. So you put, play that on loop right there. Great film. Let me tell you, I, I, I will say you've you've made up some points though with the inverted theater reference. So the inverse of what happened to Bruce Almighty, because I got an inverse coming up as well uh, as it pertains to Arizona and the Wooden Legacy. So we're gonna get real wacky, get down some rabbit holes here. But let me start with you, Shark. First, how was your Thanksgiving? It was wonderful. Um, good Thanksgiving. It's always tough when you know you're splitting time between yours and your significant others. You, you gotta, you, know, you can hardly find a few minutes for yourself. But when you are, uh, that's when you find yourself watching random games like, you know, Michigan Iowa State, and you first get exposed to Michigan, uh, and sometimes the late night games you catch you catch that Tennessee, um, uh, Florida State game, and you know it, it's a good it's a good time of year for you to pay attention to teams that you wouldn't order not ordinarily pay attention to taylor how was your thanksgiving what do we do uh it was wonderful went over to uh my girlfriend's family's house there and i think the highlight of the weekend though was uh stopping over and seeing you before you headed out of phoenix had to be the highlight well i appreciate that very much three weeks spent in phoenix i'm back here in chicago so again the boys are all on different time zones right now shark on the east coast i'm in central time taylor holding it down mountain standard, but I'm glad you mentioned Michigan their shark because they had themselves a feast week. They had themselves probably the best Thanksgiving out of any team, out of any individual that cares about college basketball. And Juwan Howard certainly enjoyed the fruits of his labor. Uh, Michigan tied with Kansas. Taylor, thank you for letting me know that tied with Kansas from 1989. You said Mm -hmm. uh, with the largest jump in rankings history going all the way from unranked, and propelling themselves to the number four team of the country rankings dropped yesterday. They beat North Carolina and Gonzaga in in doing so, and I think a lot of people are perfectly fine with this uh, this this monstrous leap from the Wolverines. And I gotta say, 
the thing that I'm most shocked at with Michigan is how early they're coming into form and how, how well they're playing this early because past few years, what they do is they, they don't necessarily start out slow, but they play average in the beginning of the year, then start to ramp it up. And then once the big 10 tournament comes along, that's when you see them throw it into, into high gear. They could be the four seed and they've won those tournaments in the past, but under the tutelage of John Beeline, now you're seeing it happen in the very beginning of the year. So I was a little surprised to see that. Uh, but this, you know, I tweeted about this, but this this just looks like a team where if they come out of nowhere and you say to yourself, fuck, is Michigan going back to the Final Four? Uh, Taylor, let me get your initial thoughts on, on this huge rise from Michigan. Sure. I would even argue that they have the best case to be the number one team in the country right now. Certainly we'll see that uh, this week because they play Mich- or Louisville. Um and Oregon this week, or, or is Oregon this week? It's play? in a couple weeks. Okay, so yeah, I think so it's on the eighteenth. But yeah, they play they play Louisville tonight. Uh, so that's pretty pretty monstrous, and that'll be a good way to determine um, who's better. I think I know that the shark is going to pick Michigan in that game because we know his thoughts on Louisville and his Nostradamus like picks against Louisville. But uh, you know, Xavier Simpson is leading the leading the uh, country in assists at almost 10 assists in game. I think this is a team that we had a lot of question marks about coming into the season, maybe not from an overall talent standpoint, although we didn't know a ton about them, but, you know, just more figuring out if Jawan Howard was going to be a good coach, good in-game coach, good, you know, good recruiter, so on and so forth. And I could tell you that I was ready to play for Juwan Howard after he started dancing in the post-game huddle uh, after they won uh, the battle for Atlantis there. And that battle for Atlantis featured, as we talked about, at least five tournament teams. And I'm not sure we were considering Michigan as one of those five tournament teams at the time, right? Maybe Iowa State, whatever. We just thought that there was there were four for sure, and one of those other teams was going to be a tournament team. Now, yeah. now, now it's a guarantee. Now it could be six tournament teams from that tournament alone. So that that is just amazing to say that not only did they beat a, a, a stacked field, but they really beat a, a bunch of other number like two seeds essentially to get there. But it's almost specifically why we pointed out that Seton Hall Oregon game as the most important game of the tournament before the tournament. And although in hindsight it might not be because Michigan ended up winning, but the difference between you know one loss in that tournament pretty much meant like we're not talking we're not going to talk about Seton Hall because they lost the first game and which I understand that happens in those tournaments that how it goes but Michigan winning three games versus Seton Hall losing one means we now think of Michigan as maybe like the best team in the country and we're not even going to discuss this other team so that's how important it is to win those early games in these tournaments and even win these tournaments as a whole because now for the rest of the year no matter what happens with Michigan even if they go 500 in conference play or whatever, we're still going to harken back to like, oh, well, they did beat a tournament filled with Gonzaga and Oregon and Seton Hall and so on and so forth. And so more than anything else, it's important to show that they are um, a talented team that can win some games for sure. But from a national perception standpoint, they've set themselves ahead of almost everybody now, and they can, they're can pretty much going to be able to do no wrong for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think the crucial game as well in, in Atlantis was Michigan versus Iowa State. Those were two teams that you thought had the potential to go and make a deep run in this tournament, but not necessarily win. I think last week we were discussing about potential matchups in Gonzaga versus North Carolina, but, you know, and 
in in Maui, we didn't get uh, the title that we expected, which was Kansas versus Michigan State. But Michigan Ohio Iowa State was was a huge game because it featured Tyrese Halliburton and Iowa State an upstart team. Uh, but Michigan handled them, and in his first first year, Juwan Howard's really turning heads. Shark, what were your initial thoughts on on Michigan's performance in Atlantis? Awesome. Uh, uh, Michigan's one of those teams right now. Uh, you would. A lot of people probably thought there'd be a little bit of a drop off with Jawan Howard from John Beeline just because Howard's experience is not at the college level uh, coaching, but at the NBA level. But it seems like they, it's just the same team. You know, they hit big shots. Uh, they don't turn the ball over. They play great defense. And Taylor, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, Xavier Simpson or Xavier Simpson, whatever you want to call him. He's just a perfect college point guard. He's perfect. He's everything you want. He He's a great leader. He kind of reminds me of like if you were to take – uh, you know, the intangibles that you would get from someone like Aaron Kraft and the defense as well. And then you kind of sprinkle in a little bit of the clutchness and just the general reliability of Jalen Brunson. And then you got someone like that. He can't really shoot at all, but um, that's something that Aaron Kraft couldn't really shoot as well. But he, he's just great. He's a great – he's a senior now, I'm pretty sure. So he's exactly what you want on a team like that. As for the – you know, the little zing about Louisville, Louisville's playing them at home. You know, of course they are. Louisville doesn't want to play in a feast week tournament because they don't want to set themselves up for an early season loss. And then they're going to have their first big test. So, oh, let's do it at the Yum Center. We'll play Michigan. And, you know, then I, I, they're in the Jimmy V tournament. They'll play Texas Tech later on. So I'll be looking to that. But Louisville will be favored in this game. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they look, but – the fact that they're number one right now, I don't think they necessarily deserve that. I think a team like Maryland or Michigan should be getting more attention. So we talked about Xavier Simpson. I just want to take a side note and and say I do like him as a college point guard. I, I like the comparisms with Aaron Kraft and and Jalen Br- Jalen Brunson might be a little bit much because Jalen Brunson <laughs> comes up clutch, but I like it. I like it. But the only thing that I, I hate about Xavier Simpson is that goddamn hook shot. It's <laughs> disgusting coming from the hip, and it's an unorthodox angle. It's a it's a crazy shot. It's just visually and aesthetically not pleasing to to my eyes. So that's the only thing I have on on Xavier Simpson. But it's kind of crazy how the state of Michigan and those their two biggest basketball teams have quite literally. If you were to go into a lab and and just create a college point guard, Xavier Simpson and Cassius Winston would would come out. Also, their names kind of rhyme together. Wow, it, well, it, well done. There's, there's a lot going on right there in, in Ann Arbor and East Lansing. But uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about Juwan Howard as well because I was definitely one of those one of those people that thought that there was going to be a maybe not a significant drop-off, but definitely a drop-off from a legend like John Beeline who turns around programs like he did at West Virginia, like he did at, obviously, Michigan with two Final Fours, and then going to someone who has zero experience in Juwan Howard. And Juwan Howard does have a ton of coaching experience in the NBA – but we've seen that not necessarily translate all that well to the college level. But Jawan Howard has has created is creating his own culture, and he's done so in what five six games, which I think is incredibly impressive. It's not going to be a beeline type of team. Jawan Howard's teams are going to play loose. They're going to play fun, and we saw how his reaction with with the players post game, and I think that's going to help down the line with recruiting. As if you know, his name's one of the biggest in Ann Arbor sports history, but Juwan Howard uh, has done a remarkable job thus far. And I think he's already, he's pretty much already done uh, or exceeded expectations in his very first season, I think. And we're not even to Christmas. 
Wouldn't you agree? Would you agree or disagree with that, Taylor? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they're the number four team in the country. They're clear, but no point did we think that Juwan Howard was going to lead this team to maybe, I mean, sure. Maybe someone could have said, ah, oh, well th- th- he can get them ranked throughout the year. Nobody would have said, oh, well, Michigan has an argument to be the best team in the country. I don't think anybody outside of Ann Arbor would have given us that argument, right? So that's for sure. He's definitely exceeded expectations. And because college basketball is what it is, going back to, I guess, my original point is, the perception of what Joan Howard always has already done is really what's important. You know, obviously the results will come at the end of the year, however they've however they end is however they're going to end whatever but you look at you know perception is such an important thing when it comes to rankings and when it comes to recruiting so six seven games into the season you're now all ready to go back to your recruits and say yo i mean almost like what penny hardaway did this offseason where it was like hey we got something going here climb aboard and you're cool and you're a former player and you've got some notoriety people you know he's not far enough out of the nba where people don't know who he is from a playing standpoint and so yeah i i mean just from perception alone he is he's easily uh probably outdone anything that we expected him from the season um an important note about our guy uh xavier simpson when it comes to this last tournament at least and some of the comparables we have about him the comparables that sharp made were were good but i don't think either of those guys were going to tally 13 assists twice in a three-game span. And so Aaron, Kraft, Aaron Kraft might have. He was always looking to distribute the ball. But, I, I mean, I get your point. I, that, mean, that doesn't mean he did, though. So, But, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that's not, and that's not against anything, that the, the, the comps at all. I'm just saying that to have a point guard on your team that can rack up 13 assists multiple times in, in the course of one tournament is extremely impressive. I mean, he's averaging 9.7 assists per game for the season, albeit in, what, seven games. I know that's a pretty small sample size, but he's shooting 60% from the field. He's actually shooting better from the field than he is from the free throw line. That's, but it's pretty good. What more, your, your point is exactly right when you say, what more do you want from a college point guard than 12, 10, and 5? I mainly just said it so I can say what I'm about to say right now, and that is so much Aaron Kraft <laughs> and Xavier Simpson. Shout out McGillicuddy. That, I, that's all me. I came up with all that by myself. So the main question now for for Michigan after this hot start is can they keep this going moving forward? And so they have a huge test tonight against Louisville, and then they have Oregon in the next couple weeks as well. And then obviously Big Ten play where they have to play against teams like Michigan State. They got to go up against Maryland. And so I I do foresee a a little bit of rocky rockiness up ahead for for Michigan, especially in Big Ten play, because this is going to be Juwan Howard's first conference type of type of playing uh, for for coaching, and I think they are going to lose to to Louisville tonight. But I do think that they beat Oregon down the road, so they've they've shown what they can do against out of conference teams, which obviously translates to the tournament. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in Big Ten play. Shark, knowing what we know now with Oregon and Juwan Howard. Do you see any sort of drop-off coming in conference play? For Michigan? or For, for Michigan. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I, just simply because I, I kind of sneaky like the Big Ten. Everybody hated the Big Ten coming into the year, but uh, they, got some, they got some tough teams in there. And mainly the, the best team in the Big Ten is Maryland. 
Uh, I know I've said that twice within the show, but that team is freaking nasty. They held Marcus Howard to one of 12 shooting uh, in a week when he just lit up the scoreboard. So th- that team is mean. That team is very good. They returned a lot of players and uh, Anthony Cowan Jr., um, you know, Smith, the big guy that came back. So that team's very good. Michigan State's always going to be a tough out. Uh, you're going to have Purdue, Taylor's boys. That you know, Matt Painter, what's, what is um, – what does Rothstein use for Painter? He's got one for him. Whatever. You know Rothstein's got one for Matt Painter. But it's going to be a tough conference. So Michigan, I fully expect them probably to have anywhere between five and ten losses going into the tournament. Matt Painter's the new Bo Ryan. That's what that's what Rothstein uh, will say, uh, tell you. Well, and then even Wisconsin. You never know what they're going to have. Greg Gard, well, Island Assassin. Look at Iowa. Iowa just beat right. Texas Tech, and their only two losses this year are to San Diego State and DePaul, who are both undefeated. Yeah, Not- Iowa, yeah, Iowa. You go back to that team, that game they played against Tennessee in the Sweet Sixteen last year, in the second round last year. Luca Garza, that guy's an animal. He, I had nightmares with, of Luca Garza. For troubling, troubling eyebrows though on Luca Garza. Let me tell you that. that but sounds I, I like, like a big time. It sounds like a boxer's name, really. He's Luca tough, Garza, he's tough in the paint, man. That guy can play. So much no. Canelo Alvarez and Lucas. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, but, you're, you're doing it wrong. But Shark, you're completely right, though, because I think I was one of the people who was a little lower on the Big Ten this year compared to maybe their normal uh, rate of success. And clearly, now you have a team who look. You know, if you look at the the, the rankings, they have three ten three teams ranked ahead of Michigan State. The Big Ten does. They have three teams in the top six. Nobody would have predicted. Well, you could have predicted that, but assuredly one of those teams would have been Michigan State. Right now, you look at the rankings. Michigan State is the fourth big best Big Ten team, and so nobody would have predicted that coming into the season. So look at that in in the in the span of seven or eight games, they've already answered. Obviously, they still have other games to play and get into conference play and whatever, but they've already answered our our questions of any skepticism or at least proven me wrong to a, to a big degree to say, ah, this team or this conference might not be as good as it has been recently. I'm already ready to say that I'm off off base with that. Cause even like Iowa, who's unranked could probably compete with half the teams on this in the top 25, but they've clearly proven that already. And that's maybe, that's maybe the sixth or seventh best team in the conference. Going into the season. I really actually like the big 10, the conference that I, I hated. I thought was really just a two horse race was the sec in Kentucky and Florida. And obviously Tennessee has been playing well this year as well, but for, for Maryland, I'm actually going to hold off on them just a little bit strictly because of the Turgeon factor. And you could make the argument that you should probably do that with Michigan as well. Cause you know, this is a hot start for Jawan Howard, but He's clearly not as proven as Mark Turgeon is in, in college basketball. So I'm going to hang tight on, on Maryland for now. But the Big Ten has has started the season incredibly hot with all those teams ranked in the top ten. And then you also you have Michigan State, who's obviously a threat as well. So Michigan, the biggest jump again since 1989, tied for the biggest jump going from all the way uh, unranked to number four. And they have a lot of prove-it games coming ahead uh, in Louisville and then also also Oregon. Uh, let's head out west. Well, hold on one second. Well, just one second before we drop the Big Ten. They already start, you know, they start conference play a month earlier than everybody else. They start conference play on Friday. This upcoming Friday? They play Iowa on Friday and then Illinois. The Big Ten, remember, they a couple of years ago, they wanted to get a jump on everybody else. So conference play for them already starts like this week. 
So ACC the, did that in their opening game. So I well, think that's kind of just a trend. Yeah. But did, well, I think ACC did was those a count one- as conference games though, Shark? Yeah. Yeah, it, but it was a one-off because they wanted to start off the ACC network with a bang. That's why that was the specific reason why they did that. I don't know if they'll continue to do that, but Big Ten has made an effort to now start their season a month early. So they play Michigan specifically plays Louisville, Iowa, Illinois, and Oregon in their next several games. So maybe that's that's kind of yeah, it's kind of a tough test already. You know, then they then they ease into Presbyterian and UMass Lowell, but you know UMass Lowell, great basketball school. So. They'll have a they'll have a reprieve in there over Christmas, but it's pretty crazy that I mean I forget this too until I literally just looked at the schedule that the Big Ten already starts conference play this week. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Michigan is going to have to just be consistent moving forward. And I again still expect them to follow or have some dips in their performance. But sure. if you're able to secure top seven wins, basically before Thanksgiving. You're you're in a great spot as Juwan Howard, individually speaking. You know, not just his team. Obviously, he wants to go to the tournament and uh, get to a Sweet 16, Elite Eight, whatever his personal goals are for the team. But Juwan Howard, with the fan base, uh, you gotta be happy as a Wolverine fan because you probably expected a, a decent sized drop off from Beeline. So, hug for Michigan there in the, in the first couple weeks of the season. Undoubtedly, the most impressive team, or maybe most surprising team thus far. Let's head out west though to Anaheim in the Wooden Legacy. Uh, tournament Arizona winning that over teams such as Providence, UPenn, Wake Forest. Not the not the strongest field, but like we had said last week, we wanted Providence for some sort of semblance of a good win. But PC fucking sucks, man. I hate to say it. I was listening to the Providence Crier podcast. Shout out Surrett. Shout out PCP. But he's he's still. I mean, I guess it's being a fan, but he's still very staunch in in his prophecy. And also his support of this team. He's saying, no, 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 the team's still good. They just got to go out and play basketball. And, and he's trying to tell me Penn's good. But at the end of the day, PC is in a world of hurt. Shark, any thoughts on their early season struggles with Cooley? Wait, is the prophecy for this year? I thought it was 2020. Prophecy is that, well, the final four is going to be in 2020. Well, he's already going to be. He's already got his built-in excuse. He's he's going to say, I meant 2020 season when it started. So that's probably what. No, it's been. Don't. It has been. I'll pull up the receipts. No. We have audio of Surrett because I'm pretty sure I clarified at some point. Are you talking about the 2020 season or the Final Four that will take place in the year of our Lord 2020? And he said the latter. Wow. Well, for, first of all, good questioning by you. Really uh, well done getting him to boxed in on the response that you want. I don't know. I I haven't heard seen Providence team fans this disheartened in a long time, uh, especially because when the, the years that they have been very good, their their run is very short lived, and now they're not as good. So maybe this is what they needed. Maybe they need a little reversal. Maybe they. It, this is something a trait of I think Northeast basketball. You just got to get hot at the right time. So they could pull UConn and sneak into the tournament at the very end, win the Big East tournament, and go on a run. So I'm not ready to pronounce them dead. I believe in the prophecy. Uh, Actually, I don't believe in the prophecy. <laughs> Why do you believe in that prophecy? I don't. <laughs> I, 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 but, well, if anything, like maybe he's right in saying that this this is going a way that it doesn't typically go. So maybe he's onto something there. I don't know. I mean, I know the team sucks right now. Their losses are horrible, horrible, horrifying. They've like they lost to Northwestern earlier in the year, and you're like, okay, all right, you know, at least they're like, I guess a. a 
big power conference power school. conference school yeah then they further lost to penn and then to cal state long beach and then to college of charleston and then beat albeit a very tough school in pepperdine which we'll get to they beat pepperdine by three that is a, just a horrific stretch of games right there i mean losing to college of charleston penn and long beach back to back to back is awful for any level of a program let alone one that had like actual expectations for the season yeah and arizona only beat pepperdine by two but we also don't have those other three losses on our on the resume right right as we've as we've discussed and i've been given a hard time about yeah close close wins don't look great but you know what looks worse than close wins is losses to Penn and College of Charleston. Yeah. Well, Arizona did beat Pepperdine, and again, to reiterate, won the uh, wooden legacy on the back of Nico Mannion. Nico, your boy, Shark, a lot of people's boys, Titus's boy. He should be the the world's boy. He is a ginger that's absolutely tearing up the country right now. In my opinion, one of the best point guards in the country. He's going to be a top 10 pick come the NBA draft next year, but he had a coast-to-coast Titus Edney-esque game-winning shot albeit this was in like a early season tournament game and not an actual tournament game but but outside of that the play was pretty similar uh he actually nico had a little bit of a xavier simpson type hook shot i mean it was it was a layup but i'm pretty sure it came from his hip uh but and and this game this arizona pepperdine game was kind of an inverted water boy situation so i know you guys have been waiting on pins and needles for for my inverted comparison like the shark did with uh, w- with Bruce Ar- Almighty. But so Pepperdine's head coach is Lorenzo Romar, formerly on Arizona staff. And the reason I I think this game was so close is because Romar then went to you know Pepperdine and he pretty much stole Sean Miller's playbook. Now in the Waterboy uh it's inverted because coach Klein ends up winning and you know, he's actually the good guy, the one who defects, but Romar bad guy ends up losing inverted water boy situation. That's my theater comparison. Regardless, Arizona Pepperdine was a, it was a great game. And then Arizona goes on to beat U Penn and then they take care of business against an actual, again, we can put this much like Northwestern in quotes, a power team in, in wake forest for the title game. Taylor, before I get your thoughts, my initial thoughts here on Arizona was two two things. One, they need to if they want to be true true contenders, uh, they need to first obviously beat Baylor and, and Gonzaga, and then they'll get national attention. And then, in addition to that, they need to play slightly better than adequate defense, and they also need to hold on to leads. In a couple of these games in in Anaheim, they were dominating these teams up fifteen, up sixteen points, and then. Between and you had mentioned this, but between the eight minute to four minute stretch of the second half, that's when they just shit themselves. They don't score, they don't play any defense. Teams go on eight to ten oh runs against Arizona. And before you know it, it's like a six, seven point game. You kind of actually have to crank it up for the under four timeout. So those those are the two things that Arizona is going to need to do in order to be a real title contender. And when I say title contender, I mean a contender for inevitably losing in heartbreak fashion in the Elite Eight. Thoughts on Arizona over over the weekend in Anaheim? So it, we wouldn't have be having a discussion about any of these games being close if it wasn't for pretty much the eight-and-a-half to nine-minute mark to the under-four timeout, just kind of like you said. Uh, there were two things 
or one thing specifically that happened in all three of those games is that Nico Mannion took a rest during that amount of time. So as talented as Arizona is, obviously just like any team in college basketball, if you don't have your lead point guard, things aren't going to go well for you. Uh, should Arizona given up the amount of points or those runs they did in that time? Absolutely not. So that certainly does give me some pause. And it's weird for us to be sitting here talking about a Sean Miller team scoring 90 plus points a game over the course of a tournament and us being disappointed with that. Or maybe not disappointed with it, but having some question marks. If we have been putting up 90 plus points a game with like the Aaron Gordon type you know, teams, we would have won every game by 55 points. So it's interesting that now we've kind of come full circle as to now we've become an offensive team, almost like Lute Olsen-esque and defense be damned. I hope that knowing what we know about how the, the season becomes a grind at some point, that we can bring some defense because you have to bring defense to play college road games. That's just how it goes. You can't, you can't just outscore everybody 24-7 in college basketball for the most part. There's going to be some grinded out type of games you need to be able to play. But what gives me hope in those type of games is Nico Mannion specifically. He's shooting 52% from the field, 43% from three, and 80%, 78% from the free throw line. It's pretty good for a, for a college point guard or any point guard anywhere. Uh, the other thing that gives me real hope about Arizona's year this year is that they are now eighth in the country in three-point percentage and third in the country in overall field goal percentage. That's pretty awesome. And then we also have, or Arizona also has, uh, I think he fell to second or third after last night's game, but uh, big man, freshman big man Zeke Nagy is, is now the yeah, the third, has the third highest shooting percentage of any player in the country. So offensively, this team looks awesome. Defensively, there's still a lot of work, and I think a lot of that falls on the Zeke Nagy, um, Zeke Nagy, Chase Jeter, big man rotation down low. Neither of them can guard stretch fours, which is tough, and Chase Jeter is almost worthless when it comes to getting rebounds every other game. So him being outplayed by a four-star recruit even though Zeke Nagy clearly looks better than that already as a fifth year senior, that's where my, I think our guard play is fine. Arizona's wing play is fine. Dylan Smith has been a huge surprise, but Chase Jeter being our starting center and some guy that we should ha- be able to rely on as a fifth year senior is what gives me the most positive about this team. Yeah. Well, the thing about Chase Jeter that is even more important than him being a fifth year senior is that he's seven goddamn feet and he had a game where he had zero rebounds, same amount of rebounds as me. Who's like, fat and 510 and 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 all of us who are don't even sniff seven feet but chase jeter seven foot or fifth year senior like you had mentioned zero boards uh, the offense is clicking as you had mentioned but we're also making uh opponents look like john diebler andy routens salim stoudemire from beyond the arc they're they're shooting a high clip from the from the three point pers- uh, from the three-point line and i think sean's gonna have to uh fix that obviously going forward shark did you catch any of your boy nicolo in in Anaheim I I think in a, one of the earlier episodes you guys talked about well actually I asked you when are we going to kind of just give you the platform when are you going to get super excited about the team and you mentioned the Baylor game as being that high watermark for you so in the interest of letting you guys have your moment I have nothing to add I'm not going to pay <laughs> attention to Arizona until uh they they win a game like that and they get more thrust onto the national stage but yes I've seen some of the stats ticking on the bottom line and I'm, I stand by my original point of loving Nico Mannion because because of 
you know, his look, the Italian, the actual Italian big ragu. So I have a question for you though, Shark, as, and it pertains to one of your teams. Talk to me. And, and that is Oregon. And it's, uh, this relates to the Pac-12, obviously. So your boy is Nico Mannion and your team is Oregon. So here's my question to you. At the end of a game, because these games are going to be close, Arizona and Oregon are going to be close games, who would you rather take that last second shot? Peyton Pritchard, who missed like 18 go-ahead shots this last weekend, or Nico Mannion? That's just ridiculous. Obviously Peyton Pritchard. And you're incorrect (laughs) in saying that Nico Mannion is my boy. I have a list of four boys throughout the year. I have not put him on that list just yet, but Peyton Pritchard is one of my boys. So, um, so you're you're taking after what we saw yeah, I'll, I'll this take weekend. The senior, I'll take the senior point guard that's played in Final Four games uh, over who, air, guys, who literally over air, put up a bunch of points against Pepperdine. All right, who literally airballed two go-ahead threes this weekend in back-to-back he's games. Exhausted. He's in the Bahamas. He's ch- taking every big shot. He's playing forty minutes a game. He's tired. His voice is hoarse. You know, come on, give him a break. So here's what I'll say. I'm Sitting saying in the that corner, sulking, t- I twisted yeah, my ankle. Yeah, right. So compare. You know, say what you will about the in-game first 38 minutes, whatever. There is zero percent chance that Peyton Pritchard is making the shot that Nico Mannion did this weekend, albeit against Pepperdine. I get it, but Peyton Pritchard literally. This not an exaggeration. He missed three straight go-ahead shots in both of the late losses they had this week. Two of them being air balls. I don't think you do get it because Peyton Pritchard would never lead a team to be in the position that Nico Mannion found himself in. Okay, Peyton, I, that would Peyton never Pritchard, who has, all, who has all of those like national championship ranks. And stuff. He played, he's played in a, one at least one Final Four. Probably could have had it this uh, – that was this year, right? I'm, or am I conflating years? He's definitely been in one. I know that yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. And she did that as a, I'm pretty sure he was a freshman on that team. So let's see if Nico can match that. I think it's safe to say, I think it's, I think it's safe to say Nico Manning is a better freshman than Peyton Pritchard was. You guys promised you weren't going to get this excited about the team until the Baylor game. No, I'm not excited. I'm asking you, I'm asking you about your boy Peyton Pritchard more so, more so. This is a Trojan Trojan of horse of you guys being excited by giving me a hypothetical. The very no, no, no. fact that that's your hypothetical is you being excited about. It. No, 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 no. Say, well, first of all, Taylor gave you that, and I think if anyone knows us, he's the optimist. I'm the pessimist. Like I sure. said, the the apex of this team and us being optimistic for me is a heartbreaking elite eight loss. I don't think we'll ever see a final four ever. But I'm not, I'm not accusing you, father. I'm accusing. I'm accusing Taylor. It'd be like well, Taylor. It'd be like this. It'd be like, hey, Taylor. Let me ask you a question here, buddy. All right. Who would you want in a uh, two-minute drive fourth quarter? Would you want Dwayne Haskins? Uh, you know, do you, you see what he did against uh, Detroit two weeks ago, and then he strung it together with another win right here? Or would you want Russell Wilson? You know, he threw some picks against Philadelphia. I mean, that's literally what you're doing right now, and it's a veiled way of you saying that these guys are equals when I don't think they're even close to being equal. So in that, in that analogy, Peyton Pritchard's going to win the National Player of the Year this year? And as, and as a championship. Well, I, Russell Wilson's not going to do it. Lamar's going to do it. But this okay, is so he's going to finish second in the National Player of the Year race? I, I think that's probably right, we'll, an even further stretch than mine is on that one. We'll, we'll see what happens tonight. I'm just going to say, luckily, luckily, Oregon and Arizona play each other this upcoming year. So that that will actually be a great matchup to watch Nico once versus or twice. Do you guys play them once or twice? How's that work? I don't know off the top of my head. I'll look right now. In the I, inter- I I think we should speak on this breaking news right now. I don't know if you guys have just caught it, but uh, James Akinjo transferring Taylor's boy, middle of Georgetown, the Georgetown, 
<laughs> what a move. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's got to be something behind that right there. And I don't want to kind of derail the pro- uh, podcast at all, but just your initial reaction to the Big East player freshman of the year from last year deciding to transfer six games into the season. <laughs> hey, that's that's hey. breaking feet right there. I mean, t- how do you how do you just break away from, from Patrick Ewing? He must have hated the guy. All right, so two things. Oregon and Arizona play twice. Good. And also two things. I know a school in the desert that's going to have a completely wiped out black court, backcourt next year after they all go to the NBA that yeah, I was might that a, need. Is that a Freudian flip right there? Well, I, I can't call our backcourt a blackcourt with Nico Manning as a point guard, right? Okay. That's true. So, uh, wow. That's my, I, I can't believe one of my boys is out already six games into the season. That's wild. You've got to be careful with your boy selection, right? You can't have that type of immaturity on the squad. That's why I'm very selective. <laughs> didn't, didn't Sean uh, recruit James and Kenjo? That's what I'm saying. I, I'm I'm ready for this to happen. All right. So James Akinjo going transferring from Georgetown to Arizona. This is a very predictive <laughs> type of type of proclamation that I'm making. But let's let's mark it down. But that is huge news out of the Big East, and and it's going to alter a lot of uh, the, the dynamic there, I guess. So whose team is it now? Is it McClung's? That's his team. Yeah, it's McClung's team. Are you yeah. kidding me? This is McClung's town. <laughs> it's McClung's uh, town. McClung so, and Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> that's a tough look for the wow. DMV. Well, that's a lot to hang your hat on right there. So Arizona, again, uh, winning wooden legacy. Nico was the MVP. I also want to make a quick note that Josh Green has been very consistent for, for Arizona this year, and he's not going to get the shine that Nico does, but he's almost as good, and, and you could make the argument that he's equally as impactful. He was on the boards like crazy in the title game uh, against Wake Forest. I think he had 12 or something, either total or maybe uh, in the first three quarters of the game. But Josh Green, very athletic wing player who's going to produce for Arizona. And then also you had mentioned it briefly, Taylor, but he deserves love, and it's Dylan Smith. Dylan Smith was a transfer from what UNC Greensboro or Asheville or uh, one of those UNC teams He's from Mobile, Alabama. He came over to Arizona, I think two or three years ago. And while we were in desperate need of a shooter, which is what we thought we got with Dylan Smith, he just kind of sucked. Wasn't very good. And he got slandered quite a bit, mostly by me, but this year has been a very, very surprising start. Uh, he's shooting very well from three, and I think he had he had what thirteen points in the title game at half. So, Dylan Smith, please for the love of God, keep this up because if they can get this type of production from Smith and then also uh, some some from the bench as well, that's going to be a huge sor- source of offense. And I actually think the fact that Dylan is is playing so well offensively, he doesn't bring anything to the table defensively, but the fact that he's playing so well offensively is probably the driving force. I would say behind this offense's uh, resurgence because I, I think we knew what we were going to get with Nico and Josh Green. Zeke is a nice uh, is a nice addition as well, but I did not see this coming from Dylan. Well, Dylan Smith is that classic guy you'd hear from Sean Miller. Oh, man, this guy's crushing it in practice. And then he'd you know, go like 0 of 9 from the field in every single game with three turnovers. Uh, so I, I will say that I am definitely coming around on Dylan Smith. Um, although we brought up, uh, as we were chatting earlier today, um, 
sometimes you can catch lightning in a bottle as uh, former Arizona great point guard Justin Coleman played his only three good games of the season and averaged like 20 points a game in Maui last season. And he only scored like 20 points the rest of the season combined. So uh, I do want to add something to this James Akinjo thing, but uh, another one of the players, Josh LeBlanc, uh, is also transferring and he plays 20 minutes a game and averages seven points a game. So they're losing like a third of their points per game. And I don't, I mean, well, if, if you're James Akinjo, and I don't mind derailing this podcast, I guess, to the James Akinjo show, uh, what, aren't you good enough to just go to the NBA after this year? Like, why are you transferring? I don't really know much about James Akinjo's scouting reporter. He's averaged double, he's averaged, he's averaged, he's had scored double digits in every single game this season, one Big East freshman of the year last year. Why are you, why are you transferring? Like, just go to the NBA. Or I, uh, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know, but I'm still recovering from that pronunciation of LeBlanc right there. Very, <laughs> very well done of you. And also, you oh. got Jesse Gowan, Govan from last year. And I don't want to tell this story for the seventh time on this podcast. But, <laughs> you know, I, 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 that guy that was sitting behind me in the Verizon Center at that game was adamant that Jesse Govan and his double double, you know, 17 and 11, whatever it was, was going to be a first round pick. And uh, I'm not sure what our good friend Jesse Govan's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably nothing. I'm guessing. Probably nothing. Do you ever, do you, actually, do you ever wonder, like, thinking back to like, what are the seven foot guys from, like, let's say, uh, Ohio State or whatever? Bad example because you can point to Odin, but like, what are the centers? No, no, no. no. Let's let's from Creighton doing from 2008. What are they doing right now? They're no, like no, no. Six let's... foot eleven. Giants walking around in public here. Hold on, let's let's think about Ohio State. Let's go with Dallas Fort Lauderdale. What's what's Dallas Lauderdale doing know. these days? Can we uh, can we make that a segment? I know we're coming up with it right now, but we'll think of the most random kind of role player glue guy, six man type person from a team that was notable enough. Let's look up what he's doing. Let's hopefully he's not like just playing in some Italian league because that kind of defeats the purpose. We want to find someone that isn't good enough to have like a ten year career overseas, but was good enough in college for us to remember who he was. We'll figure out where he's at right now. I like that. New nugget because I'm having an absolutely impossible time finding This Week in Theet stuff. So we're replacing – it is It is decided. This Week in Theet now, now replaced with this new segment. We'll workshop a name, but I like the way you think on your feet. That's creativity. That's thinking outside the box. I, I Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready for it. Maybe uh, what, what's an old name for like a movie theater? Like a cinema, like throw throwback cinema. Or something I like, like that. I like the theme you're going with, but let's not think out loud right now because that's where <laughs> you get in trouble. But okay. I, I, I we'll, we'll talk offline. Put a pin in. <laughs> we'll circle back. All, all the corporate isms that you can throw in there. Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good corporate vernacular right there. We got a huge week ahead as well uh, with the Big Ten ACC Challenge and also some Pac-12 schools traveling to some Big 12 schools. I want to go through this gauntlet of games, an absolute buffet. I'm talking prime rib. I'm talking, you know, you got a little bit of ice cream for dessert. You got turkey. Yeah, the shark's making quite a face right now. But Big Ten ACC Challenge, we'll start with Duke at Michigan State and then Michigan at Louisville. Ohio State travels to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina, Virginia at Taylor's Boys Purdue. Then we go Pac-12 going to Big 12. Arizona plays at Baylor, Colorado at Kansas. Then we got a rivalry game in the Pacific Northwest, Gonzaga at Washington. 
and then a good old intra intra conference game, UNC at Virginia. So let's start. Uh, let's just do quick predictions for each of these games. I'll start with the Shark Duke at Michigan State. What are we looking at? Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah, I'm going Michigan State as well there. Michigan at Louisville, Shark. Louisville. Whoa, hang on, hang on. (laughs) Just because I say I don't believe in a team doesn't think that, like, I think they're going to lose every game. I I think it's a bad spot for Michigan to find themselves when everyone's spent all weekend blowing them. And Louisville's just been coasting along. They're probably itching to prove themselves. They're probably excited that they're number one. They're at home. They're in the Yum Yum Center. Yay, yay, yay. You know, everyone's excited. But I just like the spot more for uh, Louisville to win that game. And Michigan, uh, not not ready yet. No, see, the whole point of this is to take what you said, even though it may have been in passing, and just run with it completely. So at this point, the, the narrative is that you absolutely oh, hate you want, Louisville. Okay, that's right. That's right. I'm supposed to do that. So, I, I mean, I don't – don't get me wrong. I don't like Louisville. I think they're going to win this game. I don't like them at all. I don't, it doesn't move the needle for me whatsoever. Um, and just their, their scheduling is just so, I, I'm trying to think of a good word for it, but they're just weak. It's just so weak. Their scheduling. They want to do feast week on their own terms. They want to play Western Kentucky. By the way, they screwed me in that pick. I, I thought that would have been the spot. Bad pick, uh, but I'm, I'm trying over here, but Louisville, come on, man. And I, the only reason this, the, this is an ACC Big Ten challenge, right? It's not like these guys went out and said, well, I want Michigan at the Yum Center in December. This is just what, you know, the ESPN wanted to line up. So even Texas Tech, Texas, they suck. Tech, Taylor, you mentioned it. Tech lost two games over the weekend. I don't know who Louisville is just going to have to wait until they play someone from the ACC. Taylor, thoughts on Michigan at Louisville? Uh, I'll go with Louisville, but I think it would be a great game to take Michigan against the spread because they're seven point, six and a half point underdogs in that game. Uh, I don't see Louisville like blowing anybody out. Although I do think that Michigan had, you know, kind of a whirlwind tournament, a lot, you know, traveling back from the Bahamas to back to home, back to Louisville. Louisville hasn't gone anywhere. I think that's going to be more of a factor than than anything else. Is just kind of like Shark said, they've just been chilling. They haven't yep. traveled around. I mean, it's a they're at, Michigan's at an all-time emotional high for most of those players right now, and that's a little tough to sustain. So that, I don't. You said it's six and a half, the spread. Uh, yeah, it started at six and a half. May have worked down to six now. Yeah, yeah six, and, six, six and a half is still yeah at Bovada. Right that's now, kind of a stink line right there because everybody everybody's thinking, uh, oh Michigan, you saw what they did last week. Um, you saw what they, you know, they're playing hot, yet Louisville's still favored by six points. I, right. Kind of stinky right there. You think it'd be a little closer, which, by the so, way, my stink line, I, I, I got another one, Tennessee, Florida State right, last yeah. week. And not that we necessarily care about, well, not on this show, we don't care about betting this much, but Louis, or Michigan State is favored by five over Duke as well. Got some theater there as well between yeah. the point guards and, and Cassius versus, versus Trey Jones. And- no, 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 no. No. Well, look, Cassius, Duke, Cassius Duke, play, Cassius, Duke fans will tell you that there's a rivalry right there. Cassius Winston is the seats and the projector and the screen. Trey Jones is the popcorn guy. If we're talking about like roles in the feet in the feet here, Cassius Winston is the theater. Like Trey Jones is the popcorn guy. Apparently, apparently, Duke fans hate that Cassius Winston always gets away with a push off. 
I guess that's like their thing that they hang on to. I think it stems from last year's Elite Eight game. So I'm sure that will be on the Twitter sphere as well. But so we got, we agree on Michigan State. I think we all agree on Louisville, Ohio State at North Carolina. Shark. Carolina. Um, in, my, in my mind, that's the, I think, actually going to be the best game of the, of the uh, week coming up here. And I think Ohio State is actually going to win that game. I got Ohio State as well. Give me the Buckeyes. UNC didn't look that great over this past weekend, with the exception, obviously, of Cole Anthony, but I didn't think they looked that good. I disagree. Not- I thought they looked good against Alabama. They put up points. It's the same UNC team that every every year. Light it up. Yeah, right, but, but have you but seen is Ohio it the, State as well? Yeah, is, is it the same Ohio State team as every yeah. year? Though? That's the yeah. question. I, I think when you got home games for teams like this early in the year, I, I like I picked all three home teams right here. I, Nobody's used to a really strong road test yet, so I'm going to lean towards the home teams in each one of these. Virginia at Purdue. You got to lead it home there? I changed my opinion completely. <laughs> I'm going to go with the road team in that one. Defense travels. So I'm glad you said defense travels, and I know that obviously that's duh, that Virginia's defense is good. But this year's de- Virginia team is even having like a better than Virginia average defense so far. They lead the country in block percentage, which is amazing to me. And they also are uh, cause turnovers on 22% of their defensive possessions. So that means in 40% of the defensive possessions, the ball isn't even making it to the rim to get back to the other team or to get back to Virginia. That's ridiculous. If you consider that they're such, they have the slowest pace in the country and they're probably only giving you 22 possessions a half at most that means that eight to ten of those possessions end with the ball not even making it to the rim so yeah good luck good luck anybody including my paint squad trying to trying to score on that yeah i'm going cavaliers here on the road this is going to be the perfect game for nba fans that are just such obnoxious hardos to be like oh you go college basketball fans really like this you guys like watching this because it's probably going to be a 40 to 32 type final game but I'm going to take UVA, and I am going to love every single second of that disgusting, ugly game that will most likely be played out in uh, in, in West Lafayette. Let's go to Arizona at Baylor. Shark. Baylor. Mm. I mean, do I even need to say it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Arizona, on those wings of Nico Mania. Yep, I'm going Arizona as well. Let's just hope, Taylor, that they don't get out-rebounded by 34 like they did last year in, yeah. in McHale Center. So this is going to be for Arizona's first test. I think they, they come up big, and it's going to be a classic game. Colorado at Kansas. Shark, an old Big 12 matchup. Kansas, and I think if you're looking at teams that are favored to win it all at this point, I think Kansas is that team with Dotson and Doke. Yeah, I'll go with Kansas as well, as much as I want to pick Colorado. But I think that the factor in this game, if Colorado is competitive, is what we've kind of talked about before multiple times, is that Colorado is just an old basketball team that returned everybody. And they might not be as shook as a normal team would be going into the fog. 
Yeah, well, the fog's really not that intimidating of a place for Pac-12 teams, apparently. We saw ASU beat Kansas a couple years back, but I am going to take Kansas in this game. Watch another great point guard matchup, though, in Dotson versus McKinley Wright. I think this is a game where the majority of the country will then now start to understand who McKinley Wright really is. We've been watching him in the Pac-12 for the past couple of years, but McKinley Wright is is going to play well against Kansas. Not going to be enough, though. Give me, give me Kansas as well. Rivalry game of the Pacific Northwest, Gonzaga at Washington Shark. Ooh. I like Mike Hopkins a lot. I like Washington. I think the zone can give Gonzaga a few loops, but I am going to roll with Gonzaga. Yeah, I think I think we're a little early in the year, despite Washington already has a pretty decent win over Baylor. I think we're a little early in the year to see Washington pull off top 10 upsets, let's call it. Uh, I think that it's going to take them a little more time for their talent to develop. So I'm going to go with Gonzaga as well. I actually think they're perfectly due. I'm going with the Huskies at home rivalry game. Uh, you can't can't stress that enough. I think they win this strictly off of emotions. Logan's and I, I don't know is Tilly back for Gonzaga? Yeah, yeah. Is. And you know a factor in this game <laughs> and still and, going and, with Washington. It's a sneaky thing that nobody really hasn't really talked about this season, but because Gonzaga is usually a pretty offensive oriented team, they're only shooting 40% from the field and 35% from three through nine games. So you play a team that is predominantly zone. They might not be able to shoot over that unless they finally start to round into the, to form uh, beyond the arc against Washington. Yeah. I just think McDaniel's athleticism is going to be too much for Gonzaga uh, and, and he's going to feed off of the home crowd. So I'm going to take the home team here with, with Washington. And then very last but not least, North Carolina travels to Virginia. Is this first, before I get your predictions, is this a conference game or no? I would assume so. Well, yeah. but, but Colorado played ASU in China the first game of the year. That wasn't a conference game. I, yeah, well, I, can't, then, I can't keep up with this stuff. Unless North Carolina is playing Virginia and freaking Uzbekistan, I don't think they're going to count that as a conference Well, game. and let's, let's not base anything that the Pac-12 does and then relay it and think that that's what, like, what normal things are, you know, so – Yes, I'm oh, assuming this is a conference game. Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan, tough place to play. <laughs> yeah. Heels at Cavs. Who you got? Um, ugh, I don't know. It, it, so much depends on the other games. So just give me, give me Virginia. I'll take Virginia too. I think it's just such a major difference to play Virginia. And although I think Cole Anthony's easily the best player on that court. I think it might take them too long to adjust, despite the fact that they're going to run at 100 miles an hour. It might take them too long to adjust uh, against a team like Virginia. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Cavaliers as well, and I think they're going to slowly but surely creep up to a top two, top three type of team, and Tony Bennett's just going to keep doing what he does. Real quick, before we get to segments, uh, Coach K apparently wasn't healthy before the Stephen F. Austin upset. You guys see this? Oh, please. <laughs> I knew that sense. nonsense was coming. So d- did the Patriots lose because they had the flu against the Texans? Is that like a similar line of thinking there or what? I don't know, but Coach K literally said I was sick or I wasn't feeling too well. That's just, Was Trey Jones not feeling well either for the last 35 games of his college career? I don't know, but Coach K, it was one of those, I, I read the quote, maybe it was out of context, but it was one of those, look, we stunk. We deserve to lose, but 
I wasn't feeling too well. All credit to Stephen F. Austin. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Coach K, that's just 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 suck it up, man. If you're not gonna faint on the court like you've done in the past, then there's keep it. We don't we don't want to hear it. With that said, a quick message from Zach and the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, fellas, let's wrap this up. Hugs. Uh, Taylor, I'll start with you. Who's your hug for? So it, this is going to sound like it's college football related, but it has a college basketball spin. So let me bring this back in. During an awful game, Arizona ASU the other night, uh, which I don't, I think that just got canceled in the middle of the game. I don't think there was any result that happened from the game. Um, the announcers, Mark Jones and Dusty Dvorak, were uh, quizzing each other on the states of this fine union that we live in. And neither of them could determine what was the last state that was uh, brought into the country. What was the 49th state? What was the 48th state? Mark Jones guessed that Oregon was the last state in the union. Um, They had no idea. Literally the sideline reporter tossed it up to him and said, okay, guys, we're in Tempe, Arizona. What was the last uh, continental United States brought into the union? And they, both Dusty and Mark Jones thought about it for about five seconds and went with Oregon. And why, so my hug is for them and whatever educational system they went to, this harkens back to our hate of like college basketball announcers, ESPN people, voters, you know, they don't even know where the States are at or when, you know, at any cadence they came in, but they're, they're expected to be considered smart people. How this goes back into college basketball is the smart person on the sideline that knew all this information is Kevin Harlan's daughter, Olivia Decker, who's married to my least favorite college basketball player ever, Sam Decker. So hug for Mark Jones and Dusty Dvorak's teachers growing up because it was just an awful exchange of geographical knowledge. And me as the son of a teacher, I was just, I was, I was fit to be tied. I, to be honest with you, I, w- I don't know if I would have been able to answer that question, even with the context of being in Arizona. <laughs> Just literally look east to west and start naming states, and that's the order they went in. Like, it's, not, it's not difficult to figure out when, where the, the country started over here, and it moved all the way out to the fucking island in the middle of the ocean. Like, yeah, they didn't walk over there, so that's probably got to be last. Just, yeah, you know, but, process of elimination. But Delaware is the first state, so, I mean, is that the easternmost state? Oh, it, it's it's certainly closer to the easternmost than Hawaii is to yeah, like, no, the other like western that, states. What I'm saying is, I get that it can be a little confusing. I I I think that they should have had it from the context of you know they're they're in that state that so there's a reason they're probably asking it. But I don't know. It's kind of a little funky. Remember those quarters they used to do when they used to put the states on the back of the quarters and you want to collect them all and put them in a little book and everything. Remember that? Yeah, I, I think remember. I I think I had the map actually that you were yeah. supposed to like plug them into. That was good yeah. times. Good yeah. times. Yeah, man. <laughs> I still actually look at the back of quarters when I get them. If it like doesn't look normal, yeah, I barely ever use them. Just for meters, because <laughs> <laughs> he's not because yeah. he's not taking mass transit. So of course he's got to look at quarters every day. No. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Shark, who's your hug for? All right, my hug, uh, and this is kind of a pity hug. I want. I love the Gary Parish thing that he's doing with the poll attacks, and we just have an outrageous one this year, this week from Troy Provost. Heron, Provost Heron, a hyphenated last name. Uh, it, that is what it is. Troy Provost Heron is a reporter from Knoxville, Tennessee. 
Mm. Um, well, not really Knoxville looks at when I look on his Twitter profile, he's got, first of all, 1700 followers. I feel like that's pretty low for a guy that does the, it's on the pole attacks. He writes out of Maryville, Tennessee, which is kind of a small town closer, uh, to the mountains than Knoxville. And he, in his poll, <laughs> Texas tech, he, I mean, we, we mentioned it a few times. They lost two games this week, right? They lost two games. Yet, <laughs> Troy, Troy Provost Heron moved them up four spots to number seven in the country after going 0 and 2 on the week. Now, the reason I'm, I don't want to do this every week, like obviously this is Gary Parrish's thing, but the reason I'm giving this young man a hug, I don't even, even know if he's young, um, is because he's, he's leaning into it, right? So Gary Parrish tweeted it out. Troy Provost Heron uh, quote tweeted a tweet and said, Hey, everybody, it was me. I'm the idiot. Send all your jokes and mean tweets here. I accept anything you throw my way. So that's a good way of doing it. But there's only like 10 people that threw something his way. So um, maybe someone can uh, add a little bit to this. But yeah, Troy, TPH, come on, brother. And then even he said that his mom, his mom is helping him out. Uh, <laughs> saying, you know, mama, I made it was one of his tweets. So God damn, man, just pay attention. Watch the freaking games. If you're going to vote, take your job seriously. Yeah. So wait, hold on. His apology doesn't hold, hold weight for me because it's not like it was a prediction. It's not like last week he said, I predict Texas tech is going to be up here. Is going to move up four spots. And then he comes out and says, Oh, it's me. I'm the idiot. He, he, he should have just seen that they lost twice. And he's well, still no, I, mean, I think he's being an idiot. He's caught red handed, just moving teams up by rankings. And uh, so he's acknowledging that he's just didn't watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he's an idiot for doing that. So I, I appreciate that. You know, thank you, Troy Provost Heron. Uh, I was, I was going through college poll tracker uh, earlier today, trying to figure out the bad ones. And there was one that was really downvoted by Adam Grossbard that had Michigan state still at five, which is pretty extreme considering they also have two losses. I didn't even realize that Heron uh, was that bad because that's really awful. Uh, also, is the second uh, part of his hyphenated name not capitalized? Am I seeing this right? No, nah, it is. I think it is. But he doesn't include it in his Twitter handle. So okay, you know, whoever the Heron is in his family unit there, I feel bad for him or her because <laughs> it doesn't make, doesn't make the cut on the handle. No, you should feel good for them. They've they've been saved from the embarrassment. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he kind of looks like Gravis Vasquez a little bit. He's kind of got like that big ear, chin strap. Are you just going off of that, that like avatar that he has there? I I'm just looking at the, his picture on College Poll Tracker. Is oh. all. So I might I'm, be completely wrong. He's got the green monster as his backdrop uh, on his Twitter. Photos, so. Might be your boy, Boston I mean, guy. Like we, we got a we got a Tennessee Boston guy. Mm-hmm. Also, not many of those. Uh, BC versus Tennessee bowl game might happen this year. Uh, he did. He is an alum of Tennessee journalism program as well. I know you said from Knoxville, but that's. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I would imagine someone from the journalism department wants him wants him to take that off of his Twitter bio. And but you make a great point. How does a guy that has seventeen hundred grand total Twitter followers get an AP vote? No I, that's. I know that like Twitter followers don't mean like national notoriety but we like us combined have more than that could 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 we shark, get shark might not help help with that can, actually. can we get 
Like, I, it, I really? You're gonna just slam me out of nowhere there? Come on, man! I'm working hard over here. How many? How, and, many, how many followers do you have? You know, we're a loyal bunch. You know, we're tough, and, but small, but loyal. So <laughs> let me let me wow. real quick double back to that BC Tennessee potential matchup. You guys getting Urban Meyer? He coming to Chestnut Hill? <laughs> I would, what an outrageous tweet by that guy! I love, it. <laughs> love that tweet. Was it reported on by Troy Provost Heron? Maybe. Well, yeah, I guess it's. No, it's just some hack on Twitter. But <laughs> hey, you never know with some some of these hacks. You never know. <laughs> Good hug for TPH. My hug is going to fashion. TPH. <laughs> I, I can't take credit for that. Shark, Shark said that earlier. Uh, I, 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 I know. I, I it's just it's funny both times. Okay, sorry. No, it's fine. So I'm going. Uh, I'm giving my hug to fashion because of John Rothstein's new clothing line. He now has shirts that he's been promoting on Twitter that. Amongst others, say, quote, we sleep in May and here we go, which very well could be a copyright infringement because that's a direct quote from Dark Knight. But he also has we sleep in May and, of course, the epitome of brutality. In my opinion, his best shirt is uh, Rothstein with a crowd on his head, a la Biggie. So I think we all know that that photo from Notorious B.I.G. with a crown on his on his head. But Rothstein has that picture and it's. It just says underneath "Notorious John Rothstein." I mean, the best part about that is that nobody has ever called him that in his entire life. I can almost guarantee no one's called him the Notorious John Rothstein, but he took it and run with it. Uh, but it is a crew neck, so I might piss my money away and ask for it or, or ask for it for Christmas. But hug for fashion because John Rothstein apparently has a clothing line. Who would have thunk it? If you were to buy one of those shirts, which one would you want? I just told you it was the no- notorious John Rothstein one. Oh. I'd probably go with We Sleep in May, but Same. but there might not be a better like day drinking during the tournament shirt than the This Is March shirt. I feel like that's a good look if you're like at a sports book or like a sports bar or something like that. I feel like you're committing to, uh, you know, because obviously that's very month specific. This is only December doesn't quite hit as hard in the college basketball world as like say March does. So I'm, I, I think sneaky second place would be, this is March. I think you, you wear, I, I like that idea, Taylor, you, but let me add this to it. You wear, this is March during the day when you're out drinking. And then when it's nighttime and everyone's like, bro, maybe it's time to go to bed. You just do the double thumbs to your shirt. And you're like, dude, sleep in May. Come on. Sleep in May. Yeah, I guess it's a. I, I, I'm sure he had a Black Friday, or maybe he's got a Cyber Monday, like two for one special going on right now. That'd be a perfect combo. It was a great idea by him. <laughs> oh, 100%. Uh, he's just, he's uh, capitalizing off of how absurd he is and just opening up as many revenue streams as possible. So, with that being said, thanks again for listening. Great slate of games. Uh, this upcoming week, Big Ten ACC Challenge, and then, of course, some Pac-12 schools going to the Big 12 schools. We'll catch you next time here on Theater in College Hoops.